0: Well, before you give a warm welcome to Sheila, Sheila Livingston, if you, if you don't know, she was a pastor here at this church. Sheila, for how many years? You were...
1: I was here seven and a half years.
0: Seven and a half awesome years. And Sheila pioneered um, prayer ministry, uh, you know, women's groups. Um, you know, she's taught. She was just an amazing um, force to be reckoned with, you know, while she was here. Uh, when she left, it it, it left a void. But today that void gets filled again because you're here. Everybody, give a warm welcome to Sheila Livingston. It's great to have you here, Sheila. Oh. And listen to what she says. She's going to have some awesome stuff. Awesome stuff for us.
1: Oh, so oh, good to see you. Thank you so much. It's so good to see everybody. You want
0: to be up here, or um, there's a... more
1: light up here. Yeah, so. let's
0: do that. Okay. Right. There we go. Yeah.
1: Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> um, I haven't been back here for 10 years, so uh, things have, some things have changed and some things have not. But a lot happens in 10 years. Uh, I got myself a handicap play card, and I have a cane. <laughs> but it's the same me. Um, let's just have just a short prayer. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come, that every word that's spoken would be yours, that you would speak through me and you would arrange my uh, message, Lord, that it would be totally your message, Father, and uh, I thank you for these people. I ask that you would put an anointing on each one of them, and I praise you and thank you for this church and for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the process of uh, of do, uh, preparing my message, uh, I use BibleGateway.com. It's just very easy to copy and paste. <laughs> um, I found a link that said "Miracle of the 9/11 World Trade, World Trade Center Bible," and. You're not going to be able to really see it, but it's a Bible that was fused to a piece of steel that's open to the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, um, Matthew 5, where Jesus spoke of an eye, an eye for an eye, followed by resist not evil, but whoever, whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn him the other also. Wow. He's speaking to us from the past, from an event that devastated us. We had never been attacked on, on land before, since the Revolutionary War or the Civil War, probably. So I'm going to leave this over here so you could pass by and look at it, or you could go on Bible Gateway and you'll see the link. Um, but that really touched me last night when I was putting everything together. So there was once a, a man who was on a picnic with his friends, and they were playing around uh, on, in a big park, and this man was too close to the edge of a cliff, and he fell down, and he managed to catch the edge of that cliff. And he starts yelling, can somebody help me? And the Lord speaks to him, let go. He said, can somebody please help me? Can you please help me? Let go. The third time, can somebody please help me? Let go. Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Well, the man hung on and hung on until he couldn't hang on any longer. And he had to let go, and he thought that this is it. He's going to die. And he was four inches from a platform. So when he let go, he was standing on his two feet. (laughs) When the Lord asks us to let go, he's not putting us in danger He's releasing us from fear. He wants us to trust him with everything. And so there's a little gap between fear and letting go, and that's called trust. And there's a little girl that learned that uh, scripture verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make, your path straight. That's the first verse I ever learned when I became a Christian. And so I want to talk about Peter for a little bit. In Matthew fourteen, from twenty two to thirty three, many of us here are where Peter was when he saw the big wind and became afraid after starting out in faith in a big trial. How many of us started out trusting God when we found ourselves in a trial and all of a sudden we realized what is happening in our lives because we started to take an account of those things and we just crumbled in self-pity and fear? Anybody with me? (laughs) And so everybody here, we all have emotional defaults. You know, when, when a default is a place that you would go to inside of yourself when something big happens in your life that's negative. My big one is self-pity, and my second one is fear. I skip anxiety. That's too mild. So <laughs> God took me to, through a trial about three years ago when I became dehydrated and had to go to the hospital. And um, I nearly died. They thought I was dying. My blood pressure was 40 over zero. I was in La La Land trusting God. I'm talking to God, and my friends had had rushed to the ER with me. And most of my friends are nurses, (laughs) it seems. So Mandy Shoemaker is there, and she's saying, Oh my God, she's unconscious. And no, I'm not. And I was in a bubble of grace. I really was. I believed this is not my time. And if this is not my time, God is not going to let me die. And you couldn't get me out of that place for anything. I was at a place in my life where pastor at Central Vineyard had retired me with a retirement uh, income. And uh, I was going crazy because I had nothing to do. I didn't, all my ministries disappeared. And I thought, oh, something terrible is going to happen to me. I'm going to die a miserable old lady if I don't get to do something. And the Lord sent, or Jeff invited, the pastor of that church invited my present pastor to the church who was starting a church plant. That was three years ago. And when this man got up and started sharing his vision for his church plant, my heart started pounding. And hope was renewed. I knew that this was the next assignment in my life. And God doesn't leave us alive and unfinished. He wants us to trust that he's got a plan, and then when we're old and we're healthy, he's still, that plan's still going on. In fact, if you're not healthy, intercession is the greatest, the greatest ministry that you could be in. I need to get a amend from my purse there. Um, So I came out of the hospital in three days, and I was perfectly well, and everybody was uh, hovering around me. And I said, let me alone. I am healthy. God has spared me for something else. And now I am at the Vineyard North Church on Cleveland Avenue. We meet in the food pantry, and it's an African church, and I am mom. <laughs> it's a, just a wonderful experience to be with them. But the thing is, I would not let go of the Lord. How I was able to do that? was the grace of God. There's nothing in me that can do that. The person who changes us is the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he changes us first, and then he throws us out there to show us that we're not the same that we were last time this happened. (laughs) And we go out there reluctantly (laughs) because we don't know what we're going to find And here we are growing in Jesus in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves. I just went through a fiery trial over finances. And I have, I'm a recovering shopping addict. (laughs) Well, it had gotten so bad that I got myself into a financial mess. And the Lord said, that's enough. You're going to stop now. And we're going to fix this. And I thought, it's impossible. I've had this addiction since I was a high school kid. Since I had an allowance. But the Lord took me through scriptures that encouraged me. And here was the thing. I had a choice of obeying him and surrendering Or saying, no, I'm not ready, Lord. Well, we're never ready to give up something we've been attached to for such a long time. We're never ready. But he's ready. And when he's ready, he does, thank you very much, he does everything that we need. Everything. Now, if I tell you that I, like Peter, was walking on water without water. <laughs> God put so much grace on me, and I kept imagining his hand extending to me. You know, we have a creative imagination, and we can do that because he's, he's there for us. His hand is always extended to us. So I, I, was, I was kind of attracted to Psalm 3 that really described what a trial can look like and how I identified with it. Psalm 3 is, Oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him and God. I had a woman that was helping me that's an accountant that gave up. She said, This is impossible. We can't do anything with this. (laughs) But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. As I cried out to the Lord, I was terrified because I had caused this mess I was in, and I didn't know what the Lord would say to me. Suddenly, I found myself in a bubble of grace and peace. Isn't that what happens to us when we go to him, when we cry out to him, when we say, Lord, I'm I'm done, I don't know what to do. And there he is. There he is. Faithful is he. Faithful he is. Well, that's how the Lord answered me with an opportunity to walk on water. Verse 5 says, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I never lost a night's sleep. I never laid in bed with all of the stuff going round and round and round like we could. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me roundabout, and that's how I saw my creditors. They weren't after me yet. I hadn't defaulted on any payments, but I didn't have enough money to keep up with everything. So, and... What the Lord did is, I have, um, I have people that come to me for spiritual direction, so I've had about maybe 15 clients a week. The Lord dried it up, totally dried it up. So he said, I'm going to teach you how to live on the income you have without that, and I went, Okay, <laughs> I don't know if we could do that, but if you say that we could do that, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe you, Lord. That's how Peter must have felt when he stepped out of the boat and started walking toward Jesus. I thought this would be a life-changing opportunity that the Lord was offering to me. I had to do some business first. This was not just saying to the Lord, "Okay, let's do it." No. I had some work to do in myself. I had to first confess the sin of making my own mess. I had to ask for the gift of repentance because only he can give it when he's satisfied with our hearts. I needed the grace to completely turn away from my sin for that was where the change would happen. When I did that, the Lord asked me to stop cold turkey I shuddered, I can't go to the mall? No. I shuddered and remembered, who does the changing? All I have to do is say yes, and he does the changing. He gives the grace for it. He draws us to himself. It's, we, if we do it on our own power, that's sin management. And we fail. We could try to overcome something In the natural, if we have enough strength but we're going to fall again and we're going to be devastated that this thing is back. But all I needed to do was to cooperate and stay in the bubble of grace. He was providing it, so I stayed there, walking on water while the Lord was removing this pattern of iniquity that was deeply entrenched in me since childhood. And it was generational, and I broke it off. Um, I broke off a lot of things. I broke off the judgment I had of my mother where I said I I will buy whatever I want whenever I want, and I will do whatever I want whenever I want. Those vows curse ourselves. We curse ourselves when we do that as children. And then we grow up, we forget about it, but the Lord reminds us of it at the right time. So I made a vow never to be like her. (laughs) She was a great money manager. So the Lord said, okay, (laughs) you don't want to be like her? Suffer. (laughs) But she was a great money manager. So that backfired against me later in life. I stayed in this bubble of grace with the Lord for three months, and then he gave me the wisdom on how to begin to straighten out my finances. First, I had to stay there with him. And then he said, you passed the test. Now, I'll show you what to do. And I was listening to the river. I was driving in the car, and they had a, uh, uh, an ad, a business that was advertising, and it was a debt-consolidating, not-for-profit place. And I went, bingo. So I went online and and, uh, called them afterwards, and this has been a tremendous gift to me from the Lord, but it had to be in his order when he was satisfied with where I was and trusting him and obeying him. I tell you what, I was afraid to go online on Amazon.com, which is my favorite place to shop. <laughs> and this is what he said to me. He said, you browse, and the lust of the eye makes, make, is what makes the mess for you. If you shop, you're only going to buy what you need and go home. And I said, that sounds so simple. He said, yes, but you complicated it. If you stay away from the lust of the eye, if you stop browsing, you won't be in trouble. So that has stayed with me. Now, this is a very recent experience, and I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I'm kind of three-quarters of the way finished, and the Lord said, you're not finished yet. Well, I want more. The thing is, how much do you trust God to let go when you're, in a, when you're in a trial. Sometimes trials are caused by somebody else. It's still a trial. Sometimes a trial comes and you don't know where it came from. It, it's like comes out of left field. Maybe it's from the enemy. But how much do we trust God is a question. Because when we trust him, we can let go. When we trust him, we can let go of anything. So staying in that bubble of grace was where his keeping power was. He keeps us. He, he really does. He keeps us as we're growing in him. He doesn't let us slip back if we've surrendered. If we've said, Lord, I surrender this to you, I mean it. Can you help me? Help me. I know you can. And then it's Second Timothy 1.12 was speaking of suffering and immortality. And Paul said, yes, this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's what I call that beyond surrender, it's abandonment. When you just abandon yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't even want to think about it unless you tell me what you want me to do. As a freedom that comes that, that is undescribable. It's really undescribable. In Ephesians 1.4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the pleasure, with His pleasure and will. Fear is our biggest enemy. It overpowers the opportunity to walk with Jesus and experience transformation. There's no cause for shame because Jesus took the shame at the cross. It's really all about our quality of life as we walk with the Lord. We can walk with the Lord in complete peace because we trust him with everything. Or we could walk with the Lord in anxiety and fear because we can't open our hands and give this thing up, whatever it is. That's, you know, that's really why in the world, sometimes when a woman breaks up with a man, the man will go after her and kill her. How many times do we see that in the newspaper? He can't believe that she would do that, and he can't give her up. Surrender, of surrender, uh, each of these things going on in our lives is what God is calling us to do because he loves us and wants to help us and wants to comfort us and wants to give us emotional security. He's already given us physical security, but he wants to give us emotional and spiritual security where we know that because we trusted him yesterday, he's still here, and and we could trust him today. We could trust him every day for everything. And if you ask the Lord, say, Lord, I want to be that person that can do that, he will bring you into that place, I promise you. Am I transformed? (laughs) To the degree that I was challenged by the Lord to stay in his grace and walk on water with him. Yes, I am transformed in that place. I walk this out daily, entrusting my damaged soul to him at the beginning of each day, knowing that for this issue there is no margin of error allowed because I've already committed it to him. If I take it back, shame on me, really, if I take it back. After all he's done inside of me, he even showed me the root. I felt the emotion of it so that I could receive the healing that I needed. My debts are being paid off. I am in a new path that causes me to cling to Jesus every day. I caused my own suffering, and Jesus is teaching me just to go with him when I'm stressed to go to him when I'm stressed and anxious and receive peace so that I don't fall off the wagon again. <laughs> so I live in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So I I live in that scripture because it instructs me in what to do when I'm anxious. And I know that anxiety triggers an addictive cycle. And so that's where I go. And I don't think about the things that are making me anxious, I, I do my best to obey that scripture about what is true. My fear does not tell me what is true. My fear tells me that my world is going to blow up, and I'm going to have to live in somebody's house who doesn't like dogs, and I'll have to give my dog away, and I, I just go down and further down <laughs> and further down. But if I follow what the scripture says, what Paul said, he's in, it feels like he's instructing me personally on what to do to bring it to prayer. And you know what the key is in there is thanksgiving. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that's where the surrender takes place. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. I don't know how you're going to fix this, but I know you're going to fix it. So thank you that you're able to fix this, Lord. And I present my request to him. And peace comes. Because I'm not praying to the air. I'm praying to my Lord and Savior who hears me. He hears you. He never closes his ears to you, never. 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 In James one four it says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And when the first time I read that scripture, I said, what? <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is what I've experienced, that when my Faith has been tested, and I'm going to the Lord. He increases my ability to trust him. I mean, faith and trust are kind of cousins. They're kind of mingled together. Faith is a gift. Trust is trusting someone that you know you can trust because they're always faithful. So it's based on experience. So it happens in your will. You choose to trust God. It's a choice. Faith is a gift that comes and goes. It comes with uh, with, uh, trials. It comes with whatever. Whenever we need it, the Lord brings it. Um, Let perseverance... That means the ability to go on in the trial. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when I read that, I thought... So this is a maturity issue that God is dealing with me about. I'm no longer that child that made those vows. I'm an adult, an old adult at that. <laughs> and He is maturing my soul. I'm walking with the Lord 42 years, and he's been bringing me up to where I'm supposed to be in maturity. And that's what he wants to do for each one of us. We don't know where we need to mature. We're so, you know, we're so caught up in the familiar of who we are. We really don't know unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In this bubble of grace, I had nothing but joy. I was filled with joy. People thought I was in denial. My friends thought I was in denial. I had so much joy. And I said, Lord's taking care of it. I don't want to interfere with what he's doing. (laughs) And so I felt the strength that that scripture is talking about. And we need joy when we're going through a trial. We do. We need joy. We need that strength. Why do we need joy? Because the Lord of the universe has called us to himself, and he wants us to rejoice over that regardless of what's going on in our lives. I had the joy of the Lord throughout this trial. I understand that when Jesus was on the cross, he said to the Father, forgive them, Father, they know not what they're doing. He was talking about me. And all of us, we are doing things that the Holy Spirit hasn't revealed yet. And so... We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what harm we're doing to ourselves, to our our soul, how we're feeding our fear and and doing things out of fear instead of out of trusting God. Mercy was reserved for me and for you at that time when he took all of our sins upon himself more than 2,000 years ago. His mighty power is here with us today. His love and power can save, deliver, and transform you and me. Where are you today in your walk of faith and in your ability, your decision to trust God? Can you say, Lord, I will trust you with everything? I said that to him a long time ago. He calls me on it all the time whenever he wants to start a new work in me. Was this message for you? Do you want to walk on water in this fiery trial that you are in? Please come up for prayer. I want to bless you and the worship and, and the team, the ministry team, wants to bless you with prayer and comfort and encouragement, and, and maybe some insight will come to you as we're praying for you. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're wanting to begin to walk with Jesus. Is there anybody here that fits into that category? Okay. So who among you wants to make Jesus Lord and Savior and receive forgiveness for your sins? You know, I have been born again for over 40 years, and that speaks to me because every time I stumble, I need to go to him and confess my sin all over again. He's there with both arms stretched out to minister to you. So I invite you to come forward. Does the ministry team pray when hmm. So anyone that would like prayer for whatever you're going through. Yeah, if we
0: can have our prayer. Doesn't
1: matter what it is. Come forward.
0: You know, um, Sheila was really putting her finger on something that we all have—that one thing that stirs up on the inside, that creates the negative self-talk, that we're worried about. It could be finances, it could be a decision you have to make, it could be um, uh, just something you're ashamed of. But it just—it creates this uh, this fear and anxiety in us. But what the Holy Spirit's been putting His finger on is, is He's just saying real, something real simple: is that.
1: Hi. Okay. Well, what's your yeah. name?
0: He's. <laughs> That he wants to move in power, okay?
1: No, it's not for sissies.
0: But what what he's saying is that if you trust him, he's going to minister to you. He's going to be faithful.